Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 55 of X-Lapsed, where we're, uh, well, we're fixing my goof up here. We're doing two issues of X-Force in a row. This is the second of those two, and it is X-Force, volume 6, number 7. This had an April 2020 cover date. The story is called Domino Has Fallen, and it uh, features Domino being almost toppled over by literal dominoes, and, uh, Tell you what, when I saw this cover, I thought it was a cool cover, but I uh, didn't really want to know what happened inside because Domino just isn't isn't one of my favorites. Uh, and we'll talk more about that as we go along here. Uh, this one's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Oscar Bazaldois. Bazaldois. I might have said that right the first time by accident. Uh, colors, Guru EFX. Letters, G- uh, VCs, Joe Caramagna, designs Tom Muller, head of X, Hickman, edits Robinson White Sobolski, cover price $3.99, went on sale February 12th, 2020. Now we open and we're off the coast of Italy, and we see a mutant ally out on the water jetting by on his speedboat. Suddenly, he's shot dead right between the eyes. Now the narration suggests that this is a literally impossible shot. From here we go to Toronto, Ontario, where a man who has written several pro-mutant articles is hit by another magic bullet. Now this thing started off across the street, went through a window, went through a guy delivering him a pizza, went through the pizza, then finally went through the heart of its target. Next stop, Tokyo, Japan. Now a very convenient series of events unfolds here involving a child losing a balloon and chasing it into the street causing a car carrying a Krakoan advocate to stop in the perfect spot right above a manhole. Now, from the down below, a shot is fired, and this shot goes right through the target's head. Now, if you're familiar with the X-Men, and I'm assuming you are, and you hadn't been following along with this first handful of Dawn of X issues, you'd probably assume that all of these lucky breaks belonged to Domino. And, well, you'd be right and wrong, and we're about to find out all about that. Next stop, we go to Krakoa, and Sage is reporting all of this to Domino, who reveals that ever since she was abducted and skinned by Zeno, she'd lost her luck. She uh, says every time she rolls the dice, it used to come up sevens, now they come up snake eyes. Now, that all begs the question, if she no longer has her luck, where in the hell did it go? Yeah, let's do a roll call here. It's a short one, but uh, it's one that'll still lead up an entire page anyway. Our, uh, our cast is Sage, Domino, and Colossus. And then we get two pages of credits. From here, an info page. It's all from Beast's logbook. And Beast basically spends the page talking about how Forge is acting like a frat boy chucklehead. So uh, I guess his out-of-character representational is intentional then, if I'm reading this right anyway. 
I mean, if that's the case, good to know because, wow, Forge kind of sucks uh, in this in this uh, in this characterization. Oh, and also, they're working on some spyware uh, in the form of a sound-absorbing singing stone, which sounds like something out of Ocarina of Time, so that they can keep up to date on what's going on at all levels of government and all of the superheroes. You know, they're going to try to get this in the Avengers uh, computer or tower or mountain or wherever the hell they're living nowadays. And also, you know, into the White House, into everywhere that uh, the power lies, right? From here, we jump back to comics. Domino is still thinking back to her time in a Xeno canister, and it's been keeping her up nights. And so, she just goes out for a midnight run. Now, she reaches the beach and runs into Colossus, who is there painting, because that's all Colossus ever seems to do. Now, we haven't seen Colossus. We haven't seen much of Colossus here. Uh, he did make an odd cameo in the Fantastic Four miniseries, but... Uh, in the Dawn of X-Books proper, I think we've only seen him the one time where he was in, uh, like, the hull of, uh, of one of Kitty's boats. Now, together, Domino and Colossus have a fairly touching scene, and they compare notes about their recent trauma. Now, Colossus had something pretty heavy go down in Russia, where he saved a bunch of refugees, but also saw a lot of horrifying things. Now, we haven't gotten a full explanation of this, but it was touched on back in the first issue of this X-Force series. Again, he came back on Kitty's boat, and uh, those were those refugees that the healer couldn't heal because they were hurting everywhere. Now, they have a pretty telling conversation here, um, how they were both told that what they had to go through was worth it for Krakoa. How it's said, uh, almost dismissively, as in, all their troubles already happened, so they're not even worth discussing anymore. And, I mean, at the end of the day, it was all for the, quote, greater good. This is interesting. Uh, I hadn't really considered like the collectivist undertones, but uh, or I mean, maybe they're even overtones <laughs> to Krakoa. And uh, while yeah, while it's clear they're prioritizing the needs of the group over that of the individual, I hadn't really stopped to think about it. And uh, in my not thinking about it, I didn't think any of the characters thought about it either. So this is pretty good stuff, and we'll talk more about this later on. But I, I really, I really dig this. Next stop, another info page. It's more from the Beast. He says that he'd found a piece of paper left for him with scorched edges, and it had a single word on it written, I believe, in Cyrillic. I think that might be the language, or the, or the alphabet. I don't even know. I tried using several online translators for this, but I'm not even sure I'm, right, I'm using the right alphabet. Uh, the closest I could come to actually forming a word is loyalty, though I'm probably wrong. Back to comics, and it's time for another lucky assassination. Now, this time it's a priest of the Order of X. This is an organization that worships mutants. Now, Domino asks Sage to try to use mathematics to figure out the next pro-mutant target. And they deduce that the next hit might be one Professor Elise Irene Owsley. She is a staunch defender of mutant rights, and she's scheduled to deliver a speech at the Sierra Institute in Tahoe. Sure enough, she is the next target. Thankfully, however, Domino is there to tackle her out of the literal line of fire. Then, we get a chase scene here. So we have our assassin shooting into this uh, institute from outside. He's there on a, you know, a snowy hill that is Tahoe, after all, or snowy mountain, I guess. And our assassin is on a pair of skis, and you know, seeing that the jig is up, starts swooshing on down the mountain. Domino leaps out of the Institute, swipes some fella's snowboard, and proceeds to follow. 
and we get four pages of high-octane downhill chase, with Domino finally managing to get a lucky shot in when she blasts the barrel off the assassin's gun. Now, the chase ends at the foot of the mountain, where we find ourselves at a casino. Inside are, you know, casino things, you know, um, slot machines, gamblers, chips, cards, dice, you know, casino things. Uh, It probably smells like, you know, 20-year-old cigarettes and old nacho cheese sauce. We focus on an an older lady who'd been wrestling with the slots all day, just waiting for the damn thing to pay off. Then, someone places their hand over hers while she pushes that big, shiny red button on the machine. Bada-bing, bada-boom, it comes up all sevens, and the old biddy wins the jackpot. Now, we close out by seeing that this uh, good luck charm, this good Samaritan, is... Domino, only not. Now, you know how Domino is white-skinned with a black circle around her eye? Well, this Domino is black-skinned with a white circle around her eye, so like an inverted Domino doppelganger, I suppose. And uh, that is where we leave it. Next episode, we will finally wrap up the Dawn of X Wave 1 number 6s with X-Men number 6. I'm not even sure I can remember them all. (laughs) To write out rankings here, I might actually have to to check out my notes again to uh, to see what I thought of some of these because it's been it's been a little while since I read some of these so stay tuned for that but let's talk about this issue and uh, you know it's wow I, I can't believe we've got two issues of X Force in a row that I really really liked that's a uh, quite a quite a shock I wasn't expecting to like either of them and uh, I really enjoyed them both. Um, I'm really not used to enjoying stories that feature Domino as a point-of-view character, and I'm sure I've said this before. Uh, the thing with Domino is I feel like she only has like the same story. One story that's told over and over again. She infiltrates someplace, she gets captured, she escapes, and she ultimately wins. That's literally every Domino story. Now here, while we're on a similar trajectory, there's something about this story that feels a little bit fresher. Though, given the cliffhanger, I have a sneaking suspicion that the freshness might be sort of kind of short-lived. But we won't talk about that today. Let's, let's enjoy what we have today, and we'll worry about that another day. I, I do like the idea that in taking Domino's skin, the uh, Xeno geeks were also somehow able to take her powers. Not so much for the Domino-specific powers or anything, but for what this could potentially mean moving forward. Zeno, like many of the Dawn of X villains at this point, are pretty generic and weak, though if they're able to grow like these dark mirror versions of the good guys, that could up the stakes up the stakes a little bit, or at least make the books a little bit more interesting than, you know, just a monthly X-Men versus interchangeable mercenaries or dudes in suits sort of series. I mean, it's something, right? <laughs> so that's all well and good, right? But for me... Where this issue really shined was in the very brief scene between Domino and Colossus. Now, sure, we still don't have all the information about the atrocities that uh, Piotr saw. How do you say that? Is it Piotr? Piotr? Peter. (laughs) Colossus. I'll just call his ass Colossus. All the atrocities Colossus saw and lived through in Russia, but that's not really the point here, that we don't know that just yet. The point is, and... uh, I think this is the first time we're actually seeing a little bit of this. It's sort of kind of dissent from some prominent Krakoans. Domino and Colossus saying, sort of dismissively and under their breath, for Krakoa, 
was very telling, at least for me. It's like they're actually afraid to dissent, right? Uh, but there's this this hesitation from which I infer that they might not be completely on board. The way I look at it, they might they might feel less valued as individuals and more just as like spokes in the wheel, you know, just a little cog in the machine to move Krakoa forward. Especially considering what they'd both gone through, it's not hard to see why they might feel this way. And I mean, this is something that we could probably talk about till we're blue in the face, right? Is this another byproduct of the resurrection protocol? Uh, I mean, another thing that reframes what we consider as stakes in the post-Hoxpox world here. It begs questions like, are our mutants less valued? Do their lives matter so little simply because they are now sort of products of Krakoa? Products as in they can be replaced quickly and easily, as we've seen. Does that make it so that their suffering matters less? Does it mean that they're valued less? Does this mean that Xavier no longer really prioritizes preservation of their individual lives? You know, uh, these to me are very fascinating questions and are ideas that I'm really hoping that we get to explore moving forward. I think the next issue of X-Force actually features Colossus and Domino on the cover, so perhaps we'll get a little bit better of a grasp on their thoughts and feelings there. Just like with our last issue here, this, is, this isn't quite a one-and-done, but it's sort of, uh, I don't know, it feels like it's existing on its own, and that's a good thing. I really enjoyed the art here. I thought it was, I thought it was solid art. It was lighter. It was brighter. Um, again, it wasn't like the, uh, you know, the submarine with the lights turned out. So I like that. And uh, overall, very, very strong. Very strong in that it, um, it made me think. You know, uh, it made me actually consider just what it means to be. A Krakoan in this uh, post-Hoxpox resurrection protocol sort of setting. And uh, I'm hoping we see more of this. I'm hoping that this gets explored, because that's been one of my problems here. Like, I've talked about it when Quentin Quire got his head cut off, and they were just, like, joking about it. It's like, ah, well, he'll be back to bother us soon enough. It's like, but a dude died, you know? And we saw in the Fantastic Four miniseries where Wolverine gutted that that mutant uh, in the Doombot armor. It's like you still killed a man, you know, and it was just shrugged off. So I'm hoping that that's on purpose, you know. I'm hoping that we are that we are downplaying what it means to die, so it can mean more when they discuss what it actually means to die. I, I don't know if that makes any sense. I hope it does. But uh, all that to say, loved this. Thought the uh, thought that this scene, this thought provoking scene was worth the price of admission all on its own, and I'm really looking forward to more just like it. But uh, that's where we'll leave X-Force number 7. Let's do some mailbag before we go. We're going to start with Damien, discussing Marauders number 7. He says, I still love Marauders. It was so clever to delay the others knowing about Kitty. And of course, Kitty was a... We saw her drown in Marauders number 6. Of course, it, could ta- it would take a while to miss her. And they're all used to her going AWOL for a while. And yeah, absolutely, this was perfectly done, and it made a ton of sense. Uh, I love that Marauders is actually using the parameters that have been set, as it pertains to Kitty, to, like, the best possible use of them here. I mean, we know Kitty can't fast travel. 
and she's usually away for long stretches at a time. We also know that she wasn't even on her own ship, which makes it so the rest of her team couldn't just fast travel to her. So it's very well done playing the ball where it lies and using that to the advantage here because it totally makes sense that they wouldn't know. They wouldn't worry just yet. I mean, Bishop was a little worried that she didn't beat him there, but, I mean, she does slip away. And she is beholden to, you know, the chops of the water, right? I mean, she could have gotten stuck in a storm. She could have gotten stuck. She could have gone off, you know, off trail, off trajectory. You just don't know, especially when you're dealing with a place in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle, right? I mean, that's kind of its gimmick. Uh, Back to Damien. I love the characterization of of Callisto. The bit where she ripped the sleeves off reminded me of a scene from Savage She-Hulk number 21 from way back in 1981, where She-Hulk does the very same thing. I'm sure it's a complete coincidence, but I can't help seeing the parallel. And I can definitely see that. I I don't remember that scene off the top of my head, but it definitely feels like something that She-Hulk would do, and uh, might have done a few times since then as well. So yeah, I could could definitely see that. And, uh, you know, with Marauders... You just can't say whether or not it's a uh, callback or not because they're really good at that. <laughs> they're really good at the callbacks. So that might have been something there to uh, uh, to evoke that sort of uh, a comparison. Uh, Damien continues, I'm so glad to hear you're, you're getting a positive representation of your home. The extra information about your area that you gave gives texture to the idea of the Morlocks moving in. Surely they could do stories about lots of golfing pensioners having to cope with Morlocks. And uh, this was, of course, uh, Rio Verde, Arizona, where the uh, Morlocks are uh, chilling, you know, while Callista does her thing. And I talked about uh, having to do a lot of jobs out there for the uh, for the golfing pensioners. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's a very rare thing to see, like, the Phoenix area represented correctly, because it's usually barren desert, you know. I think uh, they did an okay-ish job in the Will Payton Starman series back in the 80s for DC. Beside the fact that, like, Will's house looked like it was backed up against, like, a densely wooded and lush forest. Which, no, we don't have those. (laughs) Not in the valley, anyway. I mean, there are parts of Arizona that are very, very densely wooded. But, uh, not really in in the downtown Phoenix area. So, they tried. Uh, Damien wraps up with, uh, anyway, I'm still loving your work, and, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm still, I'm still loving hearing from you, so thank you for, for everything. Uh, next up, we have Al Sedano, who's talking about Marauders number one. He says, sorry, it's been a, it's been several days, but it's been a busy week. Anyway, let's get on to Marauders number one. First of all, I do like that it looks like they are keeping up giving us a cast for each issue. I hope that keeps up past the issue ones. And yeah, we, uh, we do continue to see the roll calls, which to me is, I don't know, kind of a good and bad thing. I mean, of course, it's good to know who we're reading about. Um, but to me, and this might be weird, but it gives each team roster, like, maybe a little bit too much in the way of fluidity. You know, like, uh, when you looked at, well, when you, when you eventually get to, uh, like, New Mutants here, it's like, like, Boom Boom will be on in the roster for some, but not in others. And it's like, well, is she part of the team or is she not part of the team? It's, I don't know, it feels like they change from month to month. Where I'd rather, I mean, I, I come out of the of the early 90s fandom here where it's like you had your set team and that was your set team. And, it's, uh, and anything else was just like bonus stuff. So, I don't know. It feels a little fluid for me, but I don't know, that might just be me thinking too hard. 
I also have a problem with the fact that they take up an entire page. I mean, today's issue, we had three people in it, and it got a whole page. Uh, we've had issues of of other Dawn of X books, and like the X-Men Fantastic Four ones that had like a dozen or more people on it. And I could see that taking up a page, but three, we could have we popped this into the double-page spread of credits. Because, of course, we had to get two pages of credits immediately following it. Al continues, uh, Okay, why did Kitty have to steal a boat to get there? I mean, did Kurt and Aurora just ditch her in Central Park and wish her luck? No one made arrangements for her? However, I did laugh at Logan's shopping list. And yeah, that, you know, I didn't even think about that when I was reading it. It's a yeah, kind of a jerk move. It's like, well, we're going to take the shortcut. You get there when you get there, and uh, you, you're responsible for your own transport. So, uh... Hope to see you soon. That's that is kind of funny. Uh, Al continues. It was nice to see Bishop back as a good guy and doing an investigation. Uh, he's made to be the mutant cop, and uh, that actually reminds me of some series that I haven't thought of in forever. Uh, a couple of series that like focused on Bishop being a, a police officer. Um, District X, and uh, I believe that turned into Mutopia X post uh, Decimation, where uh, you know the the no more mutants garbage and i remember those series being a pretty pleasant surprise um i I remember them getting i think i remember them getting compared to gotham central um at least in uh if not in story in tone i guess but i remember those were pretty fun um and i i also agree that this is a real good portrayal for bishop i remember um during during the new x-men the morrison run they called him and Sage in to do uh, to do like to do an investigation after Emma Frost was shot, and I thought that was a fun bit of synergy, and really uh, enjoyed them, you know, playing back into Bishop's past and uh, into what his you know specialties are. So that's really cool. Uh, Al continues the, the sinister secrets. I'm assuming that the Hellfire alumnus that was not invited was Donald Pierce. And yes, we, uh, I believe we know that now. Um, after uh, Marauders number six, we do finally see Donald Pierce. And it's, a, it's not a good reunion, so <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh, Al wraps up with, overall, I really enjoyed this one, and I'm looking forward to issue two. And yeah, this is, I, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about uh, Marauders. Uh, it was... Definitely a dark horse book for me, uh, a book that I mentioned here several times before. I wasn't even going to pick it up. Uh, I was just going to pick up the the main X-Men book. And then when I saw like Excalibur was something and it's like X-Force was something new. It's like these are like the legacy books, you know, the books that I've been collecting for most of my life. So it's like, ah, I can't, there can't be an Excalibur book out there and I can't and I'm not buying it. Right. But then, you know, you see something like Marauders on there, and you figure, eh, I'll take a chance, you know, I'll take a shot. And turned out to be, you know, the surprise hit of this Dawn of X run. Uh, definitely a, a wonderful surprise. But uh, thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts, Al. I, I do have your thoughts on, I believe, Excalibur number one sitting in the mailbox here, and we will uh, we'll discuss that one uh, next episode. But uh, thank you. We're going to wrap up with uh, one from uh, our friend Green Lantern HG, and he's talking about episode 50. Now he says, Chris, my friend, I caught up to episode 50 of X-Lapsed. I've been having trouble listening because of work. They're piling up on me. I just want to thank you for keeping up with this. I've missed a lot from X-Men. Some I'm glad, others, well, not so much. 
Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, GL, uh, for uh, writing in and uh, and for keeping up. It really means a lot because, you know, I've talked about this a time or two before. I feel like I'm being very greedy <laughs> by, uh, by forcing myself onto your devices as often as I have been of late. And uh, I know that time, I, I respect everybody's time. I, re- I respect everybody's decision making and their priorities and stuff like that. So it's like, I know that things pile up. I am a perfect example of letting things pile up. Hence, I mean, this very show <laughs> comes out of me letting things pile up. So uh, I guess sometimes good things happen that way. But uh, no, I, I definitely understand and appreciate you uh, sticking around. It really means a lot to me um, that you are uh, that you're following along and that you're you're enjoying and uh, and that you you know you listened to episode fifty because episode fifty was a special one. So thank you so much for uh, for sharing and writing in and. Uh, and for being part of this, this you know, weird little journey that we're on, uh, navigating our way through the, the current year X books. So, if anybody else would like to uh, write in and talk to me about current year X books or anything, anything in general, uh, you could do so very easily. You could find me on Twitter at Ace Comics or email me at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find show notes and blog posts and all sorts of stuff over at chrisisoninfiniteearth.com. If you're just interested in X-Lapsed, there is xlapsed.chrisisoninfiniteearths.com where you can listen to these shows in the, you know, the order they're supposed to be listened to. It's it's an easy way to find them. Um, The Podbean feed is, uh, well, it's very deep now, so it's kind of hard to find things, I I would assume. I I don't really try to find things on my own feed because I've heard it all already. So uh, maybe someone can let me know how easy it is to navigate. I I remember trying to navigate it a while ago, but... uh, yeah, that's a story for another day. <laughs> there were some there were some wrinkles in there that uh, that I had to fix, but uh, we'll talk about that another time. Um, the Facebook group is '90s X Men, uh, and also the audio archives is ChrisandReggie.Podbean.com. Just want to thank everyone once again for hanging out and sharing your time. It really, really means a lot to me. And until next time, as always, I will talk to you again real soon. See ya. <laughs>